Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese My Podcast. And this week, we have a beautiful, wonderful guest. And actually, like, this is going to be our true first conversation. So with that always makes for a fun time. I have Tiffany Von Cox. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? Hello. I'm so good. I'm very thankful to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here. I'm always so excited. Look, I love everybody that I meet, that's just who I am, right? I, I want to be like, you know, I want to hear everybody's stories all the time and everything. <laughs> but every time when I get a guest application from somebody I've never met and I get to read about them and I get to go to their social media and kind of all those things, it's a different feel because it's like that first, you know, excitement of meeting somebody and everything, almost like a blind date, but way better. <laughs> Yes, 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 because yes. you have to apply beforehand. <laughs> At least there's in- mutual interest. Yes. Yes, exactly. I'm not like, you know, I know what you look like. I know a little bit of your story. Right. I, I, it's not like I'm going into this going, oh my gosh, who is this person? Are they going to be creepy and weird? Usually right. I can, I get a sense of that, you know, based on social and based on the bio and your websites and all of those things. And I went and looked at yours and I was like, you know what? I She's my people. Like, she's a happy person. I love this. I love, like, I was like, she is smiling. I love it. She's giving off great energy. So I, I'm really excited to have you here. Same. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? Because I was, when we originally were doing this, it was pre the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strike. So yes. it was in relation to a project, but also me and my life. I love wine. And so once that happened where I couldn't promote projects, I was like, but I still want to do this. Like I can still talk to an individual who seems cool. I grew up as a military brat. So I just, I do truly enjoy people in the same way. So thank you for saying yes to a very random ask from a person you have no clue who they are. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think, you know, one thing is because it was after it got, you know, we had to reschedule. It was after the SAG after stuff. I was very aware of that. And I was like, are you okay? Like I sent you an email going, is this going to be okay? Like, what do we want to talk about? How do you want to shift things? Because, you know, I want to be very supportive of, of SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild. And even, you know, one of our episodes we did for the August Chisme download, you know, I even reached out to one of my friends who, you know, and I was like, how can we talk about Blue Beetle? You know, because obviously he's a Latino superhero. So we wanted to make sure that we were kind of talking about it. So I got some some pointers on her. And obviously I'm not part of SAG after, but I know they have a creator's thing. I just want to be respectful. That's that's my biggest thing is just wanting to be respectful and really supportive of the Writers Guild and the actors of, of what's going on right now. Yes, definitely. And And you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no problem. So let me read your bio before we talk about our wines. All right. Uh, Tiffany Von Cox is a first generation Trinidadian actress, writer, director, and producer. She began her professional career interning at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. This launched her into the Chicago theater scene where she worked with companies such as Chicago Shakespeare Theater, the House Theater, the Goodman, and many more. After her first TV role on Chicago Fire, she decided to move to L.A. where she has worked on shows such as Grey's Anatomy, Dead to Me, and Good Trouble. She currently has a reoccurring role, well, paused reoccurring role, (laughs) 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 in the upcoming Ramla, uh, is it Ramla, right? Ramla Mohammed, Carrie Washington, Larry Wilmore-led legal drama, Reasonable Doubt on Hulu and a lead on Hallmark's mahogany film, Napa Ever After. We're just saying their bio. We're not promoting anything right now, just as a FYI. When not on a lead on Hallmark and on, on this 
film <laughs> when not on and when not on screen or stage, Tiffany volunteers with nonprofit organization CSH Speak Up, where she supports those who have experienced homelessness in developing their story to share with legislation for more funding towards supportive housing. Ooh, girl, we could talk about that too. Yeah. Once she realized bringing minority ish stories to the forefront was something she enjoyed creating through art, Tiffany began producing and directing. This began with collaborating on digital series Commune, followed by her directorial debut of a short film called Roadside Assistance, which is extended into a workshop on empathy and allyship. She directed the one-woman show Whoa Man, Whoa Man by Brianna Morris, the podcast play LaDonna's Epiphany featuring Anna Maria Horsford, and recently star, <clears throat> recently star vehicle, a short film that is a comedic love letter to all actors with a look into the world of the diversity day player. All right, we get it all in. You got it all in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all the words in. And reading bios is fine. So I have learned. It's different where I'm like posting on social media, like go see this with this um, struck company, as we call yes. it. Companies that we are negotiating with, with the AMPTP. Those are called struck struck work and struck companies as we are not promoting the work at the moment. So yeah. Yes. So I really want to kind of get like, I think it's really important for people to really kind of understand. I feel like there's getting, there's all kinds of information. And if you're not somebody who is really on social media and really like the average person is not spending a lot of time on social media, most of the information that I've learned has not, has really been from like TikTok and some of the people that I know within that work within the industry on Instagram. But if you don't know any of those people and you don't follow any of those people, you really don't know what's going on. And a lot of times I think there's a misconception and we'll get into it. I want to get into our wine first, but there's just a misconception of who it's actually affecting because yeah. people think, oh, well, you know, oh, it's a bunch of multimillionaires who, who aren't getting paid. That's not the case at all. But before we get into all that chisme, right? We always start with the wine. So I cannot wait to hear what wine you are drinking today, Miss Tiffany. Yes, yes. And if it's okay, I'm going to share two. Now that I have two glasses. Girl, yes, share two. (laughs) Hey, I am for, you will not ever hear me say no, don't share wine on here. Right. So the first one that I'm not drinking, but if we, like we noted, we had to reschedule what I was going to be drinking was from a place called See You Later Ranch that is up in Penticton, British Columbia in Canada. I didn't know that wine country existed up there until I was working on this project. And instead of us filming in Napa, which is very expensive, we filmed in Vancouver, Asuyus, and Penticton. And Asuyus and Penticton are two beautiful British Columbia wine areas, y'all. The wine is so good. It is so good. I've heard of, like, I knew ice wine was made in Canada, but I didn't realize that they had other wines too. And look, and the one I have from See You Later Ranch was a Pinot Noir, and it was juicy, and it was full versus, I mean, I think like a Napa Pinot Noir or a Paso Robles Pinot Noir, um, you get beautiful flavor in it, but there was something that was like more full from being up there. Mm. So yeah, it's delicious. The one I'm actually drinking today is Emma Reichardt Rosé Pinot Noir. And I like this one because the Trader Joe's, y'all, it is $4.99. It is worth $12.99 usual, and usually. <laughs> <laughs> There is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with, look, Trader Joe's actually has a very good wine selection. They do. And and you can get really good wines. I always say like the best wine is the wine that you like. Mm -hmm. And I, there's so many times where people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm drinking. I'm like, don't apologize to me. Like you like it. That's all that matters. And I don't mind sharing a deal. And especially when it's good. Like I just had a little girls night and busted out that rosé. And folks are like, what is this? I was like, go on to Trader Joe's, y'all. Go on to Trader Joe's and get that bad boy. So delicious. Nice. Well, keeping on the Pinot Noir train, I'm actually drinking. It's so hard sometimes with my background. I'm drinking a Pinot Noir from Casa Martinez Wines. It's their Camila wine named after their first daughter. He was our August. Yeah. So the first Wednesday of every month, we feature just straight wine. 
And this one is from the, our August episode. And uh, it is, it's really good. It's really, it's very medium body, but it still has a lot of flavor. Like, and right now it's still, you know, 4.30. I was just, I wasn't feeling like a cab, like a really, you know, strong cab, which I love my cabs. Don't get me wrong. But I just kind of wanted something a little bit lighter because we're having company coming in this weekend. So that's what I'm drinking today. This is very... No, Casa Martinez. And where, where are they located? They're out of the Napa area. He does not have a tasting room now, but you can go to Casa Martinez, Casa Martinez Wine.com, I believe. So he has this and a rosé. Mm. And his daughter, his oldest daughter, Camila, she is actually, is it, she has like, a, is it spinal bifida or something like that? She She is basically relegated to a wheelchair at this point and I don't think she's fully verbal so a lot of their money goes back to helping fund nonprofits to be able to find a cure to be able to help others incredible I will definitely be looking that up thank you yes yes Yes. well salud yeah salud (laughs) nice nice well I'm super excited because like I said, I know we're shift, we're having to shift a little bit yeah. of, of what we're talking about, but you've done so much and that doesn't include like any of the independent stuff that you're doing, but let's just kind of dive into that of what's happening right now, because you being a member of SAG-AFTRA and you going through this and you understanding it, you and being a director and a producer and, do, and doing things that are sag after and doing things that are, are are independent. I would love to hear, first of all, like if you can kind of explain in the simplest terms possible what's happening. And then we'll, and then I have a couple of follow-up questions for you. Definitely. Yeah. Let me just like bring everybody as much up to speed. And it's important that I say that I cannot speak on behalf of sag after I am speaking as a member who is experiencing this. And also I want to give just a huge shout out to sag after staff our legal team, and also many the members who volunteer that were on the negotiating committee. I was a former board member and also a delegate, current delegate right now, and I also did presentations. So I was in the room for just a small portion of time during the negotiations. So what's occurring right now is that every three years we have negotiations, just as if somebody would ask for a raise at their job for us actors, everybody. We negotiate with the AMPTP, who are like the suits of the producers that leverage a lot of the finances and the money. We negotiate with them when it comes to terms. And so that goes for money. That goes for certain asks that we have on set. I have been heading up and leading equity in hair and makeup. So that was one of our 42 asks that we had when we were going into negotiations of making- uh, sure- Which is crazy that that even has to be an ask. I know. And that's a big part of, my goodness, because we talked about that. Like the practice has been racist. Why are we negotiating to have non-racist practices on set? That shouldn't be the case. But unfortunately, unless we voice it, I'm finding that things aren't changing o- along the whole scope of things. So SAG-AFTRA is the union for actors in America, uh, in the United States of America. Canada has something completely different and you go overseas to like Europe or beyond, they have something completely different. And every three years we go in with asks of things that we need. There's a very long process where anybody can show up who is a union actor and say that, hey, I experienced this on set and I would love this change within our contracts. Big things that have come up is having intimacy coordinators into the contracts. Big things that have come up, and this is the largest fight, is the use of AI, AI, artificial intelligence, um, also residuals when it comes to streaming. Those are some of the big, big asks that are coming up. And when we brought those forward to the AMPTP, we got a lot of notes, a lot of negativos. So for example, for AI, something that was asked with placing parameters around that. Because what's occurring right now, and we will see these come out, there will be an audition that comes out. Maybe it's for background actors, maybe it's for a principal actor, though those are rare, but really it's a lot more background, where they'll say, we want to have an image and likeness of you getting a body scan that can be used in perpetuity, and we'll pay you $2,500 up front. 
Now, imagine if that was something like, before we knew who, I'll give a name that we all know, Denzel Washington. Denzel wasn't Denzel just yet. And he said yes to that. Imagine that his image and likeness would be used for forever, wherever that particular company states that they want to use it. And also however they want to use it. So this could be something where maybe there's a cigarette ad. He didn't sign up for that initially when he had that body scan, but that company is doing it. Maybe it's a sex scene. He didn't sign up for that originally when he had that scan happen, but they have it in perpetuity. I mean, we know there's a lot of women who wouldn't sign up to watch that, but that doesn't mean <laughs> he would sign up to do that. <laughs> right, right. Look, but that's not with the equalizer. I'm like, oh, hey, Denzel, you still doing that 70, huh? Okay. <laughs> but for him as the actor, like, he didn't sign up for that. And at least, well, I mean, if he had signed off for that, it would have been in perpetuity. So they can use it however, and he only received $2,500 for that, which is not okay. So that's let's so say, crazy to me. So what we're I was hearing about it, mm-hmm. hearing about it, I was just like, oh my gosh, because there's a lot as, you know, as a podcaster and as somebody who works in communications there, I do use AI like chat GBT in certain ways, right? Like, but I don't use it for everything. I'll use it like if I'm having writer's block or, you know, just certain things, but that's not how I do everything, right? I'm a, like, I'm a writer at heart as far as a communi- being my communication. So I like to write. I enjoy that. That helps me kind of get, but sometimes when I'm blocked, I'll just need, I'll put in a couple sentences of something that I might need and that'll spark something. But to be able to say, oh, okay, scan my face now that I'm sitting here and you can do anything you want with it. I am completely erased. And for backgrounds, you know, I was giving a big name, Denzel, for background, then it takes out the whole world of the background actor. Because now they have all of these images that they can use over and over and over again in these scenes that we see on movies and such. So we're really working to make sure that people still have jobs in the future. Because if we don't have the actors, well, good Lord, everything and anything can start to be replaceable. So that's you know, our- also one of the things, and I apologize for interrupting, but oh, I was just okay, thinking- that also kind of, you know, people that have dreams of becoming an actor or anything that kind of crushes them too, because then why would they want to hire anybody else and, and have anybody else when they have all of the, you know, if that were to go through, they have all of these thousands of images of people that they can do whatever they want that immediately closes the door for anybody new to come in as well. So quickly and easily. Oh my goodness. Because I think there's an image as if, I think people forget how many people it takes to put on a movie or to put on a show. Because you'll see the big names, right? But then that same person who has to walk in a crowd scene or not even a crowd scene, let's just say they're in their neighborhood and there's a kid playing in the background. That is an actor who had to be in there. Maybe there's somebody who drops off a piece of mail and says, good morning. That is that journeyman actor who is like myself and like many other actors, we're the 98% of the acting field. You're taking those jobs away from those people. Or those, as you noted, are trying to build their resume to get to the Denzel, the Violas, the so on and so on. So it almost becomes to- like, well, why would they even want to? Like if they had Denzel or Viola or Carrie Washington or Jennifer Lowe, whoever, right? Like, why would they ever want to hire any other actor ever again if they had their images to be used for everything? I mean, it just feels like it would just become, well, let's be real. You already right. like there's already a lack of diversity within the higher ups, right? Within the hierarchy, within the those who run the studios, within producers, within directors, you know, within we we know within the Latino community and you know, we make up over 20% of the population, yet we are represented less than 5% of the time on screen. That would only become even more exacerbated in regards to representation, because then when it comes to the writers, then you have no diversity within the writers and it just becomes one voice. Exactly. Exactly. And there was even somebody that came out with a thing like on a TikTok or something like that, where they took a, a named face. And that face, they said, okay, now I want you to be in a love story on a deserted island with another actor whose face they just plugged in. And then they were just able to create a story that way. So it even replaces the named actors. 
So we really have to build some parameters around this because we're just replacing humans. And as you noted as well, like you are within the Latinx community. I, um, I don't know if people see, see me. I can see you right now. So you can see I'm a black. Um, <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll see you and hear you. <laughs> right. So, so those who don't get to see me, I am a black woman. I'm a Trinidadian woman. And therefore my lived experience also lives within that. A computer can't do that. So all of a sudden we're going to be having some huge change in the stories that come and misrepresented in so many different forms if we, if we don't fight against it. So that's AI. That's one of the big ones. The other big one that's going on is residuals. And I would say a huge focus is on streaming because what many people don't realize is that when it, and when I say streaming, I'm talking about the Hulus, the Netflix, the Amazon Prime. We don't know the numbers. When we watch a show on there, us actors, the writers, the directors, we don't know how, what's the viewership. And we're asking for transparency when it comes around that because as well, we don't know if we should be making more money or I remember one day at a time was, was canceled from Netflix and thank God the audience pushed back. Like what's happening? Why are you saying that there's not enough viewership? We know we're watching this, what's going on. And then they put it back on. Same with Hentified. Exactly. I was exactly. so sad. Both of those. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like it just, oh. Right. So there's a lack of transparency to know like what is the audience base when it comes to this. And along with that, that of knowing what the audience base is and also knowing how much money they're making from this, this feeds into residuals. I won't get into the nitty gritty of residuals because there's a lot of calculations and uh, TAM versus TAC and 3.6% and things you got to multiply. But here's what I want um, audience to understand is that residuals is what allows actors to make a living. The way residuals were set up in the past, so back in like the 1960s, there weren't any residuals. You did your job, and then you just went home, and that check that you got, that was it. Well, then we realized, wait a second, with the the with the evolution of DVDs, DVRs, any form of recording, or now as we have streaming, we have the possibility to watch our products over and over and over again. And if you're giving yourself in that product over and over and over again, you should be paid for that. So residuals came to be. And so we would get a small amount of money up front. If you're a day player, the old contract, that was 1054 for your day of work. That could be a co-star or a guest star. Um, that's the base pay. The least, at least you're going to pay. And then whenever it's shown over and over again, you also get paid for that. At first, it starts off with something similar in pay for your day rate. And then over time, like over the years, it goes down depending on what the, rate, the um, percentage is. It goes down. Uh, over time. What we're finding with streaming is that we are barely getting any residuals and the world is really turning to streaming now and also shows that move to streaming. So your show might be on ABC. Ooh, it's hot. And you're getting your residuals. As soon as it moves to the Hulu and the Netflix, baby, you are barely getting paid for whatever is being streamed. You're barely baby, getting Bye bye to that money. <laughs> bye bye money. And this is how people have been able to make a living. Us as actors, we have to make $27,000 a year in order to qualify for healthcare. The fact that we have to make a certain amount of money to get healthcare is a problem within America anyways. Girl. But, but, <laughs> but, the, but the fact that there's many actors who are not able to do that anymore because their residuals have gone away, where that was something that was a normal, easy practice to obtain, that's not happening anymore. So we've asked for transparency to know what are the viewing numbers? We've also asked to receive a bump in residuals so that it will match what the current figures are for that. What the AMPTP has offered is basically what would be a pay cut. We did not negotiate with them three years ago because of the pandemic around this. And also we unfortunately had not properly negotiated about this prior to that because all of the streaming was new. And so they were like, oh, we don't know what this is yet. We really can't say you guys are going to receive that much. What if we don't have much, enough money in the pot that's going to bring us out? So we're like, okay, we'll wait. Well, we waited and we saw the boom of streaming. So there's a huge pot that's happening and they're not distributing it to the actors. They're not distributing it to the writers and for those who do deserve it. So those are like the two big, big things that we're fighting for. There are 42 asks that we have Many of them, we got a big fat no or parameters that didn't make sense. 
So this is why we're striking because we're saying no, yeah. come back to the table with better asks or better or not better asks, but better offers. Excuse me. Right. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mix. I find it very ironic that, you know, the AMPTP, right? Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That they said no to all this, but yet they were negotiating with Spectrum and Spectrum did not agree to a lot of those things. And they pulled their stuff off of Spectrum services Mm -hmm. because they're not getting what they want. So I find it very interesting, hypocritical, really, right? Like, well, we're, they're kind of in there, they're, they're striking basically spectrum until they get the deal that they want, yet they're still not willing to work with the writers and SAG-AFTRA in regards to helping them get what they want. And I think it's, it's kind of gross. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's kind of gross. <laughs> it's very gross. And the things that have been said or leaked as well, which I'm always a little bit weary when it comes to that, but as long as the strike has been going... For WGA, it is over 115 days. We have passed that mark. And they could have already paid out what was asked for in that mm-hmm. amount. So the amount of money that you guys have lost, that's the money that the writers have asked for and you could have paid them. Yeah. And I know also, it's so crazy. It's crazy. And the fact, and also they are choosing to only negotiate one at a time. They can negotiate with the WGA and SAG after at the same time. They're choosing not to. So then again, once again, we're losing out on a lot of time. They're losing out on a lot of money, but yet they are holding out and holding strong to this idea that they don't have enough to provide the asks that we're going yeah. for. And then kind of going back to what you were saying, the minimum needed to qualify for health insurance and how, like, what, isn't there, isn't it like over 90% don't, of members in Af- SAG after don't even make that minimum threshold to be able right. to get health insurance? Exactly. Exactly. And I don't have those exact percentages, so I can't say it, but you're exactly correct that the number of people who are actors do not make enough in order to qualify for health insurance. And that's ridiculous. It should not be that. And I've said to people as well, this is this is a culture shift. This is a shift of capitalism that we're doing. So we we are we're not just figuring out what sale to put up. We're moving the entire ship right now, which is a huge effort. But I pray at the end of this, not only will this support obviously us actors and the writers, but I hope it will also make a shift within America when it comes to capitalism, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of money out there. How many boats do you need? It's ridiculous. And especially if your boat is taking away from health insurance that somebody needs from that TV show that you consumed during the pandemic. Yeah, it's honestly, I was really excited like for Bob Iger to come back to Disney because I was like, oh, I hope he kind of sets sets the ship straight again and everything. And then hearing some of the things that he said, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I, this is the man I was like, oh, yay, maybe he'll bring Disney back to Disney again. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, these because these heads of these studios are making hundreds of millions of dollars. They're making ridiculous amount of money. Exactly. So literally that probably if each of them just gave even if they gave up, if they cut their pay by 25 percent each, they could probably cover all the cost of what they want. Even. Like, if, yeah, not probably not even that much. They would need to do that. <laughs> I wish I had the pie chart. There's a pie chart and it shows something like how tiny bit of money that we're that each of these guilds are asking for. Oh, yeah. I think I saw it. It's like uh, there's nothing more 100%. than like 5%. It's like yeah. very small. It's like points of the percent for each of them. It's like, and y'all won't even give that up. Yeah. How is this affecting you like now, now that you guys are into it? How is this like affecting you? mentally and emotionally because I imagine this takes a really and obviously financially this all takes a toll right so I will speak for myself I am a very resilient and positive person and also thank God I came from theater so I have gone back I had already started going back to theater after the show that I was on had ended because I just wanted to work on some craft things for myself And like I noted thank God I've been doing that because I did that because that's fed me now instead of me doing the guest stars instead of me filming our second season right now i've just been doing theater 
which fortunately, if, I don't know if y'all can hear it, I got two beautiful boys and my husband out there. Uh, <laughs> it, it's able to feed our family so that we are okay. Or even this morning, my friend was doing a little indie project. So I got to participate in that. We have some interim agreements where people are, the interim agreements are agreements that have everything we've asked for within our contracts. It goes through SAG-AFTRA. And as long as you do exactly what was asked for in the contracts, they have these interim agreements that happen. Right. Aren't there a lot, there's several indie studios, right? Independent studios that have agreed to that ask and they don't have nearly as much money as these giant studios yet. They're able to comply with what is being exactly can do it. See, I told, I'm paying on? attention. I'm paying attention. What's yes, going on? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I will say, although, yes, of course, I want to, I was just texting with my girls from the show that I'm on because we're going to do a dinner. Like we want, we wanted to be back there filming right now. We don't have the chance to do that. And also there's a slight piece of fear of, because we've seen some shows that didn't have a season two, season three. Then it's released that now they're not going to have them. So that, you know, was a little bit of fear that is sitting there. I barely want to speak it out into existence, but I pray it doesn't happen to my beautiful Black show that I have. But there is a little bit of that fear there. There's also those, a friend of mine, she is, she has um, classic cars. She is selling her 56 Chevy right now. She was like, it's ridiculous that it has come to this point, but it's come to that point. What was the famous actor's name? He's on Pose of uh, Billy Oh, Oh, yes, Billy Porter. Exactly. Right now, allegedly, he's working on selling his house. Because as he said, he was like, I'm not making that fuck you money yet. I'm not. <laughs> he was like, I am one of those actors. I need the residuals to happen. And, and he did pose. And he's like, it's not happening since it moved over to the streaming. So it's it's truly affecting people. And they said that they were like, we're going to hold out until they start losing their apartments and homes. Unfortunately, one that is happening, but also fortunately and unfortunately, actors have been living that way anyways. So if you guys wanted that to happen, we already know how to keep it pushing. Yes. Comes. Well, there, I mean, that is the trope, right? Of the actor slash waiter, actor slash bartender, actor slash, 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 slash. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it shouldn't be that way because what we do is not a hobby. Mm-hmm. What I, and, and, and thank God it's been a while since I've had to have another job, but what I do is not a hobby. Yeah. I have a family. I have to be able to feed into health insurance. I pray to one day have a house. And the work that we do is worthy work because it shifts culture. I mean, look, again, I'm not I'm not promoting, but I'm just sharing the experience. Like, look at Dope Sick, where then they started opening a case again about Oxycontin and taking a mm-hmm. Gosh, yeah. look at Doubt and the way that spoke. Oh, and there was another one, too, that that looked at, um, and I'm Catholic, so I'm saying this, but looking at the Catholic Church and when it came to the priests and such, it was taking a look at those things. What yeah. we do shifts culture. We're a mirror of society. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. That's so funny you say that because today the social post that I posted today, it's really, it was really about like why I started the podcast, mm-hmm. right? Because I could say general reason of why, but I really kind of sat down and really wanted to get out like the reason, because I think it's so important. And one of the things that I had said is, well, I'll give you that, like, it's like celebrating diversity. And then I have some other things at fostering empathy with some other things, preserving heritage. But the last thing that I have on there at, well, the last two things is driving change. And what I said is driving change. When we amplify the stories and cultures we hold dear, we can also bring attention to important issues. Our voices can be catalysts for change, advocating for social justice, human rights, and environmental sustainability stories can't are told on those things. Like our voices are needed on those things. And the last thing I put is inspiring creativity, sharing stories and culture sparks creativity. It inspires artists, writers, musicians, and creators to draw inspiration from diverse sources. This creative exchange enriches the arts and culture leading to innovation and evolution. I wouldn't have thought of that. I mean, if you wouldn't have said that, but the reason I was, I brought that up is because so often art is used to be able to push change forward because people don't necessarily, I always say people are afraid of things that they've never seen, that they've never experienced, that there's no, that's why there's this like Midwest fear of the border when they don't, it's like. I have never heard it said like that. I'm keeping that (laughs) phrase. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
But what if, you know, you had somebody that watched a documentary that watched a story based on, you know, a true story, watched something and started feeling empathy because it's something that they never saw before. That's what these arts bring to, you know, and so much more. It can bring education. It can bring entertainment. It can shift conversation. And I think that's why these, you know, what you guys do as actors, as writers, it's, yes, is it entertaining? Yes, but there's so much more behind it. Exactly. Oh my gosh, you said it. You said it. And we see ourselves. Oh my gosh. Like we finally get to see ourselves and be like, I know that story. Or I see that person. I see myself. And I always felt alone, but now I don't anymore. Yeah. It's so important. Um, I want to ask you like growing up, because obviously you love what you do, but what was like that? Was that something that growing up you always were drawn to the spotlight or was it like, what, what was that catalyst and who did you see on screen that you're like, I want to be like that person? Yeah, yeah. I grew up moving all the time. So it was me constantly trying to find my tribe and theater folk. One theater was fun. It was an easy elective. I was good at it. And also it was very accepting space and place. And the thing that actually made me decide to say, this is what I want to do was a very significant event that happened when I was a sophomore in college. I was doing this play called Bang Bang You're Dead by William Master Simone. It was written after the Columbine shootings. And the play had this main character, Josh. He kills his friends and the principal. I played the principal. And at, by the end of it, he realizes like what he had done and like why it was bad and why you can't do something like this. So we did this play and we would have other high schools come and see it. And we would always have a talk back and ask the question, did anybody in the audience ever feel like the main character, Josh, who killed all these people? Our second performance, somebody stood up and raised their hand and said, I've always felt like him, but now I realize I can't do the things that he did. And I was like, I was a principal on the stage. You got that from what? The power of words is significant. And I'm going to tear you out now. It might be wine as well. But it, it shifted where I decided to put my focus. I was like, if I can change the world by just being out here, and I, I, my mission statement for myself is exposing the world one story at a time. If I can shift, make a shift like that, this is a worthy job to go after. So that's, that's, what, that's why I'm an actor. That's why I got into it. Oh, I love that. Ex what is it? Exposing the world one story at a time. That might just be the name of this episode. <laughs> there we I go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so, I think, you know, I think that there's more people who go into it because they love the craft and they love the storytelling. Like that's one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is yeah. because I love the storytelling. I love hearing from other people. I love just learning from other people. And I think sometimes we forget that you know, that's what writers and actors do for us is they tell our stories and they reflect back to us. Sometimes the good, sometimes the ugly, sometimes the bad. Right. But it's always and sometimes it's the funny and goofy and silly and whatever. But that's what life is. It's full of all of those things. All of them. And the goofy and the fun ones, too. Yes. All of it. So I say as well, as well I, I'm not always stopping a school shooting. Like if I'm on a commercial for Chick-fil-A or no, why am I saying Chick-fil-A? Lord, I don't even know that right <laughs> I'm sorry to the LGBTQ plus community. I do not do that. I refuse to be with them. <laughs> Let me say uh, KFC. There we go. Like KFC, you know, like you don't always get those experiences when you do like a commercial or something like that. But so maybe you do something and just brings joy and laughter. Yeah. Like yeah. when I watch, like when we're talking about all of the silliness and encompassing all the things. I will say when I watch something and there was a sex scene in there and I, one of the sex scenes that I enjoy most is from Jerry Maguire. Ah. And the reason is, is because was it Chad, the nanny gives him this jazz, you know, tape and he puts it in and he's like, what the hell is this? And they just start cracking up. And it's such a, to me, I feel like that's just such a real moment because it's not always so serious. It's not always 
romantic and this and that. But like just that moment of levity, like I really appreciated that. So I love seeing those types of things or you or, you know, not as extreme as like the 40 year old virgin. (laughs) (laughs) But just having those things, because you you all know when you get intimate, some sometimes a weird noise comes out. Sometimes you're you catch your dog looking at you in a weird way or something. Right. You're just or like, your parent, don't let your kids wake up. Good lord, you don't get finished. Like <laughs> that yeah. is so funny. How has your family kind of transitioned, like, or watched you transition in regards to have they have they like said, oh, like, mom, how can we help you, or what can we do, like, or how, has it affected their has it affected them at all? Right, right. You know, it may be more so because because my kids are are young. I have a nine month old and a three and a half year old. So you do not have a nine month old. I do. I do. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I I don't know if I like you as much anymore. You look way too good. <laughs> you look amazing. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. I got a goal right now to not look like a mom. And what I mean by that is like I was like I just refuse to, if I can, I find a way to put on an outfit every day. Like that is just my own personal goal. And sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to get a shower in, but golly, I really love myself and I like how I look. And I'm like, I'm going to do the damn thing to like, try to, this makeup has been on since the top of the day, but who cares? I did it because I knew I was going to be seeing you and keep it. And I have certain colors that I think look fun and I get my earrings and I'll I washed my hair this morning. I was like, we're going to do this today. So I just really, I thank you because I work really hard to to put it together. And apparently- Yes, girl. No, you look amazing. I'm like, you know, I did. I was like, oh crap, I better get in the shower real quick. You know, I only <laughs> wash my hair once a week anyways. It's not wash day, but, and just barely put on some makeup just so I didn't look like I was dead, <laughs> right? And I was like, eh, it's fine, whatever. You know, I know this is going to go up. I know this is going to go up on video, but I still choose this. Yes, yes. (laughs) You look beautiful. You look beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Do you ever go through a time in regards to, because we're talking about like reflecting and seeing yourself on screen. And I'm sure that's something that you're aware of, you know, with your kids and you want them to be able to see a reflection of their stories and who they are on screen as well. When you were growing up, when that moment you decided, like, this is what I want to do, how does that, because obviously when you're in this type of industry, it's so looks based and you're, you're beautiful. First of all, you're gorgeous, but how does that, does that take a toll? Is that something you start thinking about when you start going into it? And like, what kind of toll does that take on you when you're heard? No, you're not the right part you're this, you need to be more this. Cause it's like, we, I feel like we spend our whole lives trying to just feel confident in ourselves, but yet you go into it, then, you know, then some people go into a profession where literally people are constantly telling you your flaws all day long. Like, how do you handle that? Gosh, oh, that, that's, that's a big question. A big old hell's yeah to all of that. You have identified correctly the things that an actor goes through and especially a woman can go through within this industry. Um, and it's tough. Like it does take a toll on you sometimes. So I started off in theater where that might not necessarily be something that happens all the time, unless it's something like sometimes musical theater, I think can be in that world because there's the singing and the dancing. And there's a whole thing within the dancer community of like having the dancer's body and and that kind of thing, which can take a toll. And me being my wonderful black self, my Trinidadian self, thank God I have that where we are not expected to be skinny. We want to have some curves. We love like the softness of ourselves. So when this industry or watching the pounds on screen happens, at least I can fall back into that. And so when I was watching stuff growing up, it was definitely tough because one, I didn't see myself. And two, I really didn't see myself when it came to size. Uh, Right now, you guys are just looking at three quarters of me. I am a petite individual, but I like not washboard abs or anything like that by any means. I got a butt, I got breasts, and I got a belly. Like, this this is my... You have the... See, it's not just... I say, this is my thing. 
I don't just, I don't want just somebody who wants T, T, the TNA. I want somebody who wants the TAMB, the tits, ass, and belly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so many phrases I'm just going to steal from this. Tits, ass, and belly. I'm going to tell my husband that. You want the tits, ass, and belly, don't you? <laughs> He's like, I do, I do. <laughs> but yeah, so like you're watching yourself growing up and I was a child of the 80s. Like everybody was sticks skinny and everything You're, mm-hmm. and it makes you think like oh I'm supposed to be that way I was in musical theater so and I also danced so I was I was naturally just because of that like the amount of work I was doing made me on what the black community would consider a slimmer side and then once I stopped doing that and of course you're having children you and also you you for me I'm I'm getting closer to 40 like things just change within your body so, and also a beautiful thing I think that's happened in society is that our view of what a woman is supposed to look like and accept that has changed. What we're seeing on screen has also begun to change. I was talking to a friend who's from England and I was like, yeah, you know, on your screen, I was like, I get to see like every shape and form of a person. She was like, oh yeah. She was like, we're not America. We don't, we don't do that thing where everybody has to be like this stick skinny perfect. That's not real. And I was like, oh my gosh, why don't we have that here in America of what is real and what is on stage? I just was at the Ojai Playwrights Conference and this fantastic intern had this monologue that she shared. And one of the things she said was like, I don't think bodies are supposed to be beautiful. What does that even mean? And I was like, oh, interesting. interesting. I mean, is a hairy booty beautiful? And who cares? Like, it was just interesting. I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. In the eye of the beholder. Exactly. Exactly. It was, And it was a truly an examination of self. And I just thought it was so gorgeous that she was like, what if, what if a body's not beautiful and that's beautiful in itself? That's what I took from that. So anyways, the, the short answer is yes. It's very difficult to like constantly kind of be checking and watching yourself um, in that way as an artist. Um, it does take a toll on you. And I think it's a constant fight of working towards just being like realizing that I'm enough. My craft is enough. How I show up is enough. And knowing that, and that's a big why, a reason why I'm natural as well. I was like, other sisters need to see natural hair and my beautiful tight Afro curls that it is. And know that whether it's a short Afro or a medium Afro, like that's enough. It's perfect. Yeah. I love that. You know, I mean, I, you know, every time we talk to somebody you talk to about in regards to, to body or self-esteem, I feel like everybody has their own thing that centers them in regards to how they look at the outside world and how the outside world looks at them and how they look at themselves. Right. It's hard sometimes. I mean, I'm the oldest of three girls and I'm also the shortest and the chunkiest. And it's hard sometimes not to compare myself to my sister's. It's hard. And I could not imagine then being in a room full of all of these, you know, people. And not only am I comparing myself to them, I know that I'm going to walk into a room where they're comparing me to all of these people as well. Right. But you know what? When I started working more, when I started owning everything about myself, including whatever I considered an imperfection, that's when I started working more. And I well, was- I know your kids are very young, but how have you tri- like tried to instill like their confidence in them as well, not the nine month old, but your <laughs> older child? How have you tried to, you know, instill confidence as your kids grow up so they don't let those things, you know, like affect them? Exactly. Something that we have at home, we go black is and then my little three year old goes beautiful. <laughs> And it's my favorite thing because also what then he started doing was I will always say black is beautiful, brown is, he'll go beautiful. Then he started going red is, I was like, beautiful. He was like, white is, I'm like, oh, beautiful. He will go through the whole, all the colors in the box. You know, took me even, I'm like trying to make sure that he knows that his skin is perfect as he is. And Mm -hmm. he's letting me know all the colors of the rainbow are perfect as it is. So yeah. that's like our big thing that we're doing at home. And also my babies, I don't know how, I don't know how they came for me with me and my black ass husband, but my <laughs> and they have this for now have a brown hair with like blonde tips. 
in its coils of this like, yes, yeah, wow. Their grandmother came out. The grandmama came out. <laughs> These coils of hair. Ancestors are strong. Oh. <laughs> Ancestor genes are strong. I'm like, Miss Sarah, Miss Sally up there. Man, I never met you, but whoo. So I protect him with even within that. One, with letting him know that his crown is his. People do not get to touch it. It is yours. And you can, and, and if you don't want to, um, if you don't want anybody to touch your hair or even yourself, you don't want to do a high five or a pound, that's fine because your body is yours. So I do mm. work on that sort of thing with, um, with my three-year-old right now. And hope, I mean, we'll see, hopefully I'm getting some part of this right because parenthood is a journey anyways. <laughs> right. Who knows? Who knows? But you know, as long as you're doing your best to love them and show them the values that you think that they should hold and you know and hope that that as long as they grow up to be good people that's really what matters uh, yes which i'm so thankful that we're the ones to have two boys so i'm like we need more good men out there we we just need some more good men out there so i'm excited that i get to be that person yes it does it scare you a little bit too just kind of in this world that we're living in in regards to having two little black boys and and what to tell them as they're growing up in regards to the world because they're seeing like through you they're seeing this powerful amazing beautiful black woman and then those are the people that you are portraying on screen i'm sure as well and then they have a reality you know there's a reality when they step out that door which is so frustrating and you know what i mean but there is a a dark side to this country and to this world once a you know a particularly a young black man steps out of his house is that something that you've even started to think of or you just try to be like no this is i'm a three he's three years old and we're just taking it now <laughs> yeah yeah there, i mean there's no way to not you know because it's it, when i had my three and a half year old it was two weeks into the pandemic therefore George Floyd had just happened. Oh, so God. America woke up to what we've been seeing for forever. And I remember I'm part of this uh, incredible Instagram group. Lydia Renee created a fantastic musician and it's called Beautiful Black Moms. We were sitting there holding our new babies in our arms online all together because this pandemic so was with nobody. And we were heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken knowing that our boys, although we can hold them tight right now, is going to experience some form of racism, some form of injustice, just because their Black bodies exist in this land right now. And at times it makes me want to hide. I've said to my husband, like, my goodness, where, where can we go to protect our children? Whether it be the number of school shootings that are occurring, also just being a Black male in America, how do we do our best to arm our children from the inevitable that's going to happen at some point? I've already had racist acts happen with my son twice now. Oh yeah. Once I was just, just minding my own black business, walking with him on my back. I have like this hiking pack that I walk with him and I won't say the word, but the N word was screamed at us three times saying that N don't matter, N don't matter, N don't matter. Are you freaking kidding me? And what do I do in that moment? Go and chase that person? Of course not. I have to think of the safety of myself and my child. Instead of responding, I just, in, instead, this aggression has to be taken right here. Or another time I was on the playground and it was somebody who was not Black, who was commenting on the features of my child, saying like, oh, the lips right here tell you exactly what race this child is. And I'm like, they didn't even realize what they're, I'm like, my and at that point my son was like a year a year and a half the number of things that we deal with the trauma of the black person and somehow we smile and just continue because i'm still going to remain my happy self it is exhausting and so i am thankful that in these moments he's so young that he does not remember it or realize it but knowing i've known from the jump that this will be a conversation that comes this is a there's going to be several times where I'm going to have to go through this with my son and Lord, who knows for my black ass husband, like what even that feels like for him who has experienced that for himself. Oh yeah. Ooh, girl. I just, I can't, I, I will never experience that. I will never know that, you know, as a light skinned Latina, I even, I experienced something way different than even darker members in my family. 
even my friend, you know, other friends, because people look at like for me, I feel like people look at me and they're like, she's not white, but we don't know what she is. I get Puerto Rican most of the time, like people always think I'm Puerto Rican. But I think that just for people who are whether you're and my nephews are white Tinos all the way. Oh, they I like term. Okay, I don't think that's a term I will ever use. But like, <laughs> I hear you when you say that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're total white Tinos. You look at them, you have no idea, and their their dad is white, so they have a white last name. So you would never look at them, and they'll never experience even what I experienced. Right? It's like even less. It's so. But I think people don't realize that when people when we talk about privilege, it doesn't mean that you had it you had it easy. It means that you didn't have to think about your skin color walking out the do- walking out your door and how hard that was going to make your life. Exactly, and I think about that all the time. Even my little boy now, when I go to like the school I chose was based on his skin color. So I'm like, there needs to be other black people there, so he's not the one that's picked on just because he's doing something wrong and he's black. And and this this is something that is has been ingrained since the 1800s and beyond mm-hmm. to put that um, that imagery towards a Black body. Yeah. Well, I have no doubt that you, and I'm sure your husband will be instilling like the best things that you can in your sons and they are going to grow up and be well-adjusted, strong Black men. And I, you know, who and who knows what's going to happen between now and times that they're they're grown up because everything just changes and we become more and more of like mixing of ethnicities and races and everything and hopefully there'll be a point at some point where people won't really ever be able to to tell because everybody's going to be mixed with something you know so or just and and even or just accept it geez yeah just accept folks for for them being it's so crazy when people are like, oh, gay, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, if you don't like gay marriage, don't marry a gay person. How's that affect you? Oh my gosh. It, it makes no sense. I just read this incredible book called Reclaiming the Church. I noted before I'm Catholic. And thank God I found this incredible church in the heart of Hollywood, Blessed Sacrament Catholic Church. We The current pastor there Jack, Father Jack is really pushing to make sure that the LGBTQ plus community is accepted within the Catholic Church. Looking back at what these these so-called um, biblical messages within the Bible that people claim means like, oh, that that meant that there shouldn't be uh, there that homosexuality is incorrect. No, the translation is incorrect. Yes, and I just appreciate that we're in a moment right now where literally the title of that book I'm reading, Reclaiming the Church, we are really reclaiming spaces and places where people have been othered. And yes. Pushed out of. And we don't want that to happen to the writers and the actors. Let me take it back to that. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> no, so I know that you said you obviously love wine and you love to travel. And obviously your work takes you places that you're able to travel and everything. Where has been the most memorable place that you have gone for work? Ooh, the most memorable place I've gone for work? Jeez. I'm, and, and it's on my bucket list still to travel some more out of the country for work. So then, therefore, let me think about my indie work that has gotten me out of the country. Okay, France. Yeah. I still haven't been to France. And being a wine lover, I'm sure it was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Yes. For a a short period of time in my life, I was a shepherd in France, real life. Wait, you're a real life shepherd? Yes, I was a real life shepherd in France. Like herding goats or herding sheep? Well, I guess sheep because it's a shepherd, right? Yeah, well, but, be a goat herder. but goats as well. Yeah, I, heard, I was herding goats. Yeah. Wait, how? Okay, you need to. Okay. <laughs> I can't just stop there and be like, thank you for your time. I need to know how this happened. I know. So I had, and I'm writing a whole film about this. So that's why I'm noting that for work, this is like a part of it, the coolest thing I'm doing in my indie world. So I, um, I was very frustrated with the industry and I was like, I just need a break. 
And so I decided to backpack. I backpacked for about two and a half months, hence why I say a short period. And and this was back when like I was an actor that had I was just doing theater. I barely had two pennies to push together for a trip, but I am savvy. So I have learned, I have learned how to like make things happen. And I was looking at, well, how can I do accommodations while I'm in Europe? And I looked into, of course, the hostels. I looked into couch surfing. And then I learned about a program called Woofing, Willing Workers on Organic Farms. So you can look on this website. It has locations all over the world. And it's usually some sort of farm or maybe somewhere that has a bakery. Like they'll do something with the earth. And you can say, I will give my services and they will house you and feed you for free. So fortunately, a friend of mine had done it before. I got linked up with the family that she had been with. So I was a shepherd there where I took care of the goats. Yeah, for a couple of weeks. So Oh my God. How is that like? Are you comfortable? Were you comfortable with sheep and goat prior to that? Not at all. I knew nothing about them. I just knew one day <laughs> I wanted to have a farm. So this was a great way to practice this. And I and I still want to farm after. I was about it. to say, do you still want to farm after that? I sure do. I sure do still want to farm after. It's funny enough, we're actually going uh, to visit some friends in Temecula who have a farm and goats. And I just can't wait um, to get down there tomorrow to be with them. Because I love them so much. And honestly, it was it was transformative because I would be on that farm. I'm with the goats. The fam- Only one person in the family spoke English. I didn't speak any French. So I was just quiet. I was quiet for weeks because nobody understood me. I would just follow suit and I would just be with the goats. And it was like looking in the eyes of God. This might sound crazy, but when, when you guys see the film, the reality of it will make sense because I had all that time in silence where it was almost like a silent retreat. I went through all the demons in my head. You know, like you may have some old stories that pop up out of nowhere from sixth grade that you still think about. Like (laughs) went through all that shit, all that got out where then it was just silence and being in a space and place of servitude because they needed me. I had to be there to guide them to where they could really literally nourish their bodies any protections that they needed from you're out there because you got to protect them from any animals that might come out, whether it's Mm. coyote or fox or whatever that might take them down and such also relieving their bodies from their milk. So I would, I would um, get the milk in the morning. We would go to a cheese lab and make cheese and such. So it was goat and sheep's cheese. Oh my gosh. Fresh goat cheese. How is fresh? And goat cheese is one of my favorite favorite cheese oh, oh you uh, did you see my face when I said like when I realized I was like uh, right would have been uh, in heaven so it was completely transformative because eventually I my brain got out of my body's way where I could just be I would just be in the moment and I don't think I've ever I mean I think for a moment but not for an extended period of time right yeah oh my gosh that is so oh my god just See, look at, I wouldn't have known that cheese, man, Tiffany. The heck? <laughs> there you go. And when the movie comes out, shoot, I'll come back and talk all you about You will come back for <laughs> sure and share and then be like, remember when we talked about this the first time you were on? I know right now things are stalled, like things are stalled as far as film and TV, but you're back in theater. What is next for you? What are you hoping? What, you know, obviously you're hoping that the strike ends, that things can get you know, sorted out and everything. But in the meantime, like what, what actually, let me ask you this question before we, what has been the benefit to you? Cause you can only, I know you can only speak for yourself or what has been the bright side or the benefit that you've been able to take away from what's happening right now with the strikes? Definitely. Oh my gosh. Um, what, oh, there's so many of them. So in my personal world, I have a nine month old. So I get to have time, more time with my baby than I would have because we were supposed to be filming right now. So these formative times where my kid is starting to cruise and he's rolling and we're trying different foods, he would have been some, somebody else would have been caring for him and taking him through those milestone steps. So the blessing that I get to have, apparently I have babies when there's a pause in life. <laughs> son when the pandemic happened, my second son during the strike. So it's been beautiful to have that. 
also returning to theater. My God, that is like the best acting class you can ever have. And after doing the show that I was on, I had said, because our number one, number one being the the main, the lead on the show. She was number one on the call sheet. That's why I called that. She's a beast. She's a beast. Emayatsi Corinaldi. She is a beast. And I just saw her balancing her personal life, her family, the cast, the crew, and also doing really nuanced, beautiful work. And I said, I got some more work to do. Tiffany has. So I went back to theater and then also the strike happened and I've continued to do more theater. So what a blessing it is for me just to really fall forward into theater and work on my craft and develop some really strong relationships there within theater with people who are doing incredible work. There's a play I just did, Dirty Laundry by Matilde Trotwa. Another play I just did, Nerve by Manita Gandhi at Theater Works. There's just really beautiful plays out there that I get to amplify and be a part of. So that's been great. And then last, the third thing I was thinking about, like the blessing of this strike at the moment, is also how it's, it's we're part of a cultural shift. I think the same way, unfortunately, George Floyd passed away. And there was, there was an unveiling that happened. There was just a realization for people. It's not the same exact thing, but there's an unveiling that's happening for actors and writers within it. And including myself, looking at our value, looking at what matters, also truly being able to ask for what you deserve. There, and as I noted, and I'll say it again and again, a shift in capitalism and also letting people know that this profession that we have is not a hobby. It is a worthy profession that gives back to the community. And we're, we're doing our best to amplify that during the strike. And I pray that people are, are seeing and hearing it. But if anything, us actors are coming together and letting it be known amongst ourselves that what we do is worthy. It is. Absolutely. I think the last strike brought us reality TV on a whole other level. And I am not a reality TV person. I don't know where my fiance gets that I am. I'm like, I don't ever, I watch HGTV reality TV. That's my reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> House Hunters is my reality TV. <laughs> but I don't watch the other things. Yeah. Um, Tiffany, thank you. So it's already like we've yeah. gone through it so quickly, but I just want to give you an opportunity. I was, I mean, I feel like you did, but if there's anything else that you want to add that we haven't talked about, please do so now. Oh my gosh, this was so full. I, um, no, everybody just listen to it twice, people. They're <laughs> please listen to it. <laughs> Throw Jessica all the loves and the likes and the reviews because I just really appreciate what you're doing here. You are truly part of exposing the world one story at a time. So thank you for allowing me to share mine. Oh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. Please make sure to follow Tiffany on Instagram at Tiffany Von Cox, as well as Roadside Assistance WKSHP. And her website is Tiffany Von Cox. I'll put all of those things in the show notes. But Tiffany, thank you so much. And until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.